The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began listening to a message by Elder Buddy Abernathy preached back in 2015 about whether or not we can determine if someone is a child of God. I know in the religious world, we're taught that if you check off all the right boxes spiritually, then you can have certain knowledge that someone is going to heaven. But is that really what the Bible says? We've already begun to see that the Bible is clear Only God can judge whether someone is a child of God or not. And the truth of the matter is, we can't even judge ourselves. Oftentimes, we doubt and struggle because we continue to slip back into sin even after we've been born of the Spirit. Join us today as we conclude this excellent message by Elder Buddy Abernathy about discerning who is or is not a child of God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
See, it's not spiritual fruit. Right. It's just an outward shell. And remember, unless a person is born of the Spirit, there's nothing in them that can bring forth fruit that's pleasing to God. That's right. Yeah. Now let's now go to the problem we have. That's what we should really be interested in. Jesus says the only fruit I can produce is good fruit. But because I have this old man who is going to be alive and well till the day I die. You know, I think sometimes people think, well, the older I get, the more I'm going to subdue that old man. I've known of people who, when they were at the end of their way, maybe the last month of their life, I remember one of my aunts telling me, he used the most vile language that he never said his whole life. You know what's happening when maybe a person medically, their mind is going, and they say those things you've never heard them say? That means that they don't have the uh, mental capacity Capacity to keep the old man in check. So he's just pouring out. Man, I hope that I don't say things that I've been thinking that I've never said before. If I do, I hope nobody's there near my deathbed. There's no telling what I'll say. How about you? Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now, primitive Baptists have been so prone to take extremes on things. I've heard preachers say, well, you know, I'm just an old totally depraved sinner and that's all I'll ever be and I don't know why I'm up here to preach and I haven't studied. I don't know why the Lord had blessed me to preach. Well, that's true. You are a depraved sinner, but Paul gave it balance. He says, I know that in me, but then he paused and says, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. The same man that wrote that said in uh, Romans 15 verse 14 that we're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. We need to give it balance. Yes, you have an old depraved nature, but you also have that good tree that can only produce good fruit. But notice in John chapter 15, he uses the same metaphor or metaphorical language here in John 15, but it's in a different context with a different application. Here he's not speaking of the fruit that the nature produces. Here he's speaking of our efforts to abide in Christ so we can bring forth good fruit. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth uh, not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now the reason we know this is God's children, whether they're bearing fruit or not, is because all the branches are in Him. These are all the children of God. Verse 4, He says, Abide in Me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in Me. Notice the beginning of that verse is a command. It's an instruction. It's something we must strive to do. And that is abide in Christ. Yes, you have that new nature that will never be extinguished. Paul said, he that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will maintain and it will remain there. That new nature, that that new man will will never be extinguished. But in, in terms of that new man being exercised, 
there's some effort required on your part to abide in Christ. My new nature can only produce good fruit, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be producing good fruit. If you're letting that old nature dominate, you're not going to be producing good fruit. Matter of fact, Paul said in one place, he said, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't let your flesh take over. You ever had that problem? The only reason we're instructed uh, in that way is because we have the ability to have that problem. You know, a lot of people read things like that and they'll say, well, you know, a child of God would never do that. Well, why in the world would he say don't do it? You know, that's to me, that's uh, English 101. The Lord tells his children what not to do because they have the ability to do just that. Now, notice in Galatians chapter five, here's what the child of God can Here's a problem he can find himself with. The same chapter that describes the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. All these are good uh, characteristics. But he says back in verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these. And if you read that, you'll find the list describing the works of the flesh is a lot longer than the fruit of the Spirit. You see, in the same way the wicked can put on a show of good works and maybe confuse God's children like false prophets do in which that they think that that's the real thing that's genuine in the same way children of God can live in such a way that you don't think they're children of God. Do you realize that? A child of God can be so uh, swallowed up with the works of the flesh. But again, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Now finally, when we think about the Lord knowing them that are His, I like to consider that verse in 1 Samuel chapter 16. You know, David, evidently, his physical appearance was nothing to be impressed by. But notice here in uh, uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I know here he's speaking of his physical appearance, but the same principle would apply in that man judges those that he meets, generally speaking, by their outward appearance. That's your first impression of someone. Right. He says, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Amen. God knows who His children are. Amen. 
And in the same way He's able to judge the wicked, He will burn them up. He'll also burn you, but not in the same way. He'll burn the dross off you. Now notice in Jude chapter 1, and we'll get right back to that, here's, here's what the Lord says about those, uh, those uh, corrupt trees that may appear to be good trees. In Jude chapter 1 verse 12, He describes them at the end of that verse as trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Yeah. Now I'll leave some of you other preachers to explain all that, but uh, evidently that's not a good tree because they're, they're withering, uh, they're, they're twice dead, and they're plucked up by the roots. See, God knows what kind of tree they are, regardless of what they've been pretending to be. But as far as we as God's children are concerned, here's something we can take rest in. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 30. This is the parable of of the tares among the wheat. And in the parable, the owner said, let them grow together until the harvest. Now, here's a thought I had that I've never considered before with regard to this. Those that would advocate what we refer to as progressive sanctification. And all that means is, that someone believes that if you're a born-again child of God, you're just going to, for the most part, go uphill. You may go downhill a little bit, but overall, you're going to keep going higher. And the reason, one of the reasons I don't believe that is because I don't feel like that's the way I am. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm getting better and better. But if that were the case, listen now, if that were the case, why... The tares represent the wicked, as we'll see in a minute, and the wheat represents the children of God. That's made clear in the explanation of the parable later. Well, if that's the case, why would why would the owner of the field say, let's wait until the harvest because otherwise we might not be able to tell them apart? Right. Did you know that's the nature of God's, of, of God's children in this world? The field here is the world. Right. And the, tar- the, the wheat are the children of God and the tares are the children of the wicked one and Jesus is teaching here and the kingdom here is not the church. He's referring or the field is not the church. The field is the world. The field here that he's describing is is God's people mixed in with the children of the wicked one in the world but sometimes those wicked ones are trying to fool people into thinking they're a good tree to mix my metaphor and sometimes uh, God's children are living in such a way that you'll think they're a corrupt tree. And so he says, let them grow together until the harvest. But on the day of harvest, the Lord's not going to be saying, I can't figure out who am I. Notice what he says in verse 41 of Matthew 13. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom. Again, this is not the church. This is His kingdom as it's in the world. He shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Now that's not the furnace of affliction that the child of God goes through. This is this is a this furnace is much more intense. In the book of Revelation, it speaks of this being a place where the worm dieth not. Notice in Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty-two. I want to bring to you that to this last consideration. When the Lord comes back, that's when He is going to make a clear separation dividing the tares from the wheat. Here in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Wow. Have not we done many wonderful works? And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They said we've done many wonderful works, and Jesus says you've worked iniquity. You say, Brother Buddy, that's not fair. The point is these are corrupt trees. They don't have the Spirit of God. They're not capable of producing fruit unto God. They can do things that they think are good deeds for, for impure motives to be seen of men or whatever, but it's God despises it. It's in no way pleasing to God because He knows the kind of heart it's coming from and the motive behind them doing whatever good work they're involved in. And then look at Matthew chapter 25. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on His right hand, Come, ye blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There's the doctrine of election. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then He describes all these things they did for Him. I was was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. But then look at verse 37, what they say back to it. Then shall the righteous, now these are those that are righteous because they were made righteous in Christ. We were made, these were made the righteousness of God in Him. Then shall they answer Him saying, Lord, When saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? That's the true experience of a child of God. Lord, when did I do anything? All I see is the sin in my life. And the Lord pointed out to them, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. See, the Lord saw the fruit that that good tree was producing. The Lord saw when they did things in which they received no personal selfish gain from it. They did it because the Spirit of God, or as Brother Tim said, those laws written in their heart motivated them to do it. 
but they didn't think they were doing anything good. Isn't that how you feel, Lord? I, I don't ever do. But does anybody even know I'm a Christian? You know, George Whitfield didn't believe all the truth, but he was. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of things happening in his day, and he, you know, huge crowds came out to hear him preach. And he said later on in life, he said, "Lord, I have not yet begun to be a Christian." Man, I, I, that stayed with me. Yeah. I've been ordained for almost 30 years, and I'm saying that all the time. Lord, I have not yet begun to be a Christian. Will I ever be one? But then the wicked give a different answer. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he says to them, I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. Thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you took me not in. Verse 44, Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, a thirst, stranger? And I'm skipping over this for the sake of time. When did we see you that way and not minister unto thee? See, here's people that think they are good. Isn't this a paradox? The people that are good because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that have that good nature in them, they don't feel like they're good because that spiritual nature is shining on the darkness of their sin nature. And they're the ones that feel to be a sinner. And when, when true revival, when, when, when there's a, a great ingathering in the church, it's when people feel that condemnation. Yeah. I've read about Elder Wilson Thompson uh, many, many years ago, and he said while he was preaching, people would, would fall out in the aisle weeping over their sin. And it wasn't a fake charismatic right. movement. It was true conviction of the right. Spirit of God. And he was preaching salvation by grace. He wasn't bringing a message that would scare them and, right. and make them feel like they're going to hell if they don't do right. They just felt condemned of their sin right. as they heard the truth of what Jesus did for them. Amen. But there's some people that when the Lord comes back, they'll say, well, you know, I know I'm going to heaven. When did we not do these things? Then shall he answer them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. In the past when people would ask me, Brother Buddy, why did God choose a people and pass by others? I used to try to figure that out. How do I answer that question? But you know what the biblical answer is? He wanted to. Amen. Amen. He's in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Amen. In Romans 9, when he talks about Jacob and Esau not yet having been born, they were still in their mother's womb. They hadn't done any good or evil. As far as works were concerned, they hadn't done either one. They were still in their mother's womb. But he says that the purpose of God according to election might stand. The reason God made this pronouncement and the reason that it's in the Scripture about Jacob and Esau while they were yet in the, in the womb is because God said, I want 
want you to know what my purpose was. That it was my purpose to choose Jacob. Amen. And I'm glad he chose a bunch of people. Amen. Multiplied millions. And I'm just glad that I feel like I am. Amen. You know, if we didn't have a single blessing in this life, just think of what you've been saved from and what you're saved to. We should never, ever complain. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.